you're now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Hello and welcome. That's right, you're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight on this special episode where we're just going to hand Big Jack the keys to talk about the King Kong 1976 45th anniversary. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay St. G, certified geek, seven days a week, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and always among us, our moderator and troll hammer, Joe, from Fall One Gaming, What's Shaking? Oh, pleasure, pleasure to have this show go on and to hand the keys over to Big Jack himself. Yes, so <laughs> please, here, please here, introduce our guests. Here's to the big one. Petrarch's Pepsi can't go wrong. Um, well, first and foremost, I love the shit out of this movie. You do? Kong 76 <laughs> is tied as my favorite movie ever with the original, like, neck and neck. Nothing tops it. It's so goddamn good. And I'm ready to talk the hell out of it. I mean, you guys take the you guys take the lead, and I'll just follow right through, and I'll get through all the trivia and everything because there is so much to pack in with this movie. It is awesome. And I love the fact that it's getting a lot more positivity. No doubt thanks to the Shout Factory Blu-ray, which is fan-freaking-tastic. Everybody should be putting this on their Christmas list, especially if you're a kaiju fan. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, Big Jack, because I just re-watched King Kong 76 last night in preparation for this show. And for the first time, I did bust out that Blu-ray. And um, it's, it's listen, King Kong 1976... Never looked better, and I just want to ask you, Jack, what makes this movie special, so special, 45 years later, and why, the biggest question, why do you have this above the original? Go ahead, man. It's it's complicated. It's many reasons why, especially for a guy my age. Um, you know, I'm almost, I'm going to be 30 in February, and, you know, I was a kid in the 90s. I, this movie should have been past my time. But I think it's because of multiple reasons. One, I did grow up with the original first. I did see the 70s remake a lot more often later on. But the reason I think I like it as much as the original is that it takes the original film's amazing concept and effects and brings it to a more present-day era. This was before the MonsterVerse. This was before GVK brought Kong to a much more modern setting. And this movie really does tell the original um, in a present day scenario. Like, I mean, even today, 45 years later, despite it being in the 70s, it is still relevant because of things like oil, the oil crisis, economies, uh, environmental issues. Um, the fact that, you know, like treating things different, like don't treat people that are different and, you know, don't exploit them. There's just so much going on with this film. It's also a lot, it was the first time that Kong was brought to a much bigger, grand, powerful scale. The way, the, a lot of people ask me, why do you think this is better than the original? It's not necessarily the quality and the movie itself. It's just, it feels more powerful. Like, Kong feels more powerful, feels stronger. The story feels more powerful. It's yeah. more impactful. But it is just the scale, the scope. It's the first time Kong was brought to a big budget, like, widescreen film. Also, it's just the score. I love John Barry's score to this film. Um, it brings a much more haunting darker aspect than what we've seen before. It's not the adventurous feel of Max Steiner's score, but it stands on its own as sort of this very haunting, almost metaphor, sort of a um, 
a cautionary tale sort of themes to it. So it's just, there's a lot to pack in. And it's also just, I think it's also a matter of as I got older and I was doing research on the making of the movie, the making of the film is also, could be a movie, a biopic in of itself. I, people always say, why do we have sequels and remakes? I, hear, I think what we should do is if we want to bring franchises back, we should do biopics on the making of these films. Prime example, I would love to see a making of movie about this where they recreate all the sets, all the locations, get new actors. Like, hell, Margot Robbie as a young Jessica Lange, perfect casting. Perfect. I, like, I can agree to that. Um, give it a once upon a time in Hollywood feel. You could even like rebuild the giant freaking robot they used in the movie, but make it more where it actually works. <laughs> because the biggest issue was that it was just a it was a big airplane built piece of crap. Um, it was it was, but it looked good. Like it was pretty impressive for the time. Um, I think it's and again because of the making of it. Um, one of my favorite books is not only Ray Morton's The History of the Movie Icon. But it's this little pocketbook that came out uh, about a month before the movie's release, and it tails the entire production from January till November 76, and it is very detailed. It's like a journal. Anybody who can get their hands on this, it's worth a read in of itself. Um, you get so much info on what it took to make that film. And literally, the giant robot, they saved that till like the very end of shooting, even though they said, that's going to be the effects. That's going to be the main effect. Like, we're trying to sell the robot as... This is what's going to make the movie happen, but in reality, it was Rick Baker's amazing suit, along with the work of Carlo Rambaldi. It just it all came together so well. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out too is one thing I appreciate. The, first and foremost, let me just reference this: 1933 is still my favorite one. However, I love the '76 movie way more than the 2005 Peter Jackson one. And here's the thing: Peter Jackson just basically remade beat for beat the 1933 movie whereas the 1976 movie yes it's a remake but they did a completely different approach like everything was different you know the story was different the um you know instead of the empire state building you get the twin towers at the end like because they were just built at the time too like they were yeah. just finished in fact when jeff bridges when he's going through the, the plaza and going into the building it was, as Rose says in Titanic, I can still smell the fresh paint. It was finished. They just finished painting the damn thing. Yeah. It was that close to being brand new, um, which is crazy. And you bring that up where, you know, Jackson had done, the just remade the original. I think that, but he also said, I'm going to make an extended edition of the original. Yeah. Um, it, I, it, it was this old uh, thing. 1976 was its own thing. And that's why I liked about, like about it. It's its own thing. Um, and it's also, it's also just a matter of like, I think, I, in terms just very quickly on the Jackson movie, yeah. I always, people ask me this, and I always say, it's not as good as the first draft, and I mean that quite literally, because the original thing they were supposed to do in the 90s was basically, they were, like you said, the 76 one is a remake, but it does something original, it does new things. The same thing was what Jackson was going to do. He was basically going to say, let's do King Kong, but make it an Indiana Jones movie. Make it Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I would have been like, that would have been amazing. But they didn't do that because apparently Jackson said later in an interview, he said, I felt the script was too corny, was too cringy. And I'm like, no, I think that would have been a better movie. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. Joe, uh, welcome, welcome. Who do we got in the chat right now? Just do a quick welcome. Uh -huh. All right, in the chat, we have Spider is Prime, we have Shea Smithers, Byron Kingsley, and Nobody123. Hey, thank you, every, thank you for everyone uh, to spending your Thursday night with us. Again, 
Big Jack, or Jack, Jack from Big Jack Films is here to talk 1976 King Kong because the movie turns 45 this month, which is a pretty big deal. And the fact that it's it's a real honor to have Big Jack on because he's the king of Kong. He's the biggest King Kong fan I've ever met. And he's just a wealth of knowledge. He's a brilliant filmmaker. He, uh, and he's a great content creator. Speaking of, everybody, please, if you're not already subscribed to Big Jack, please subscribe because his latest video, the 30th anniversary of Hook, absolutely fantastic. It's such a joy to watch. I know we're going off topic, but... Please check and out it's Good Jack. Even if we're going off topic very quickly, like my remake of Kong that I did, like also celebrating an anniversary. I think it's like the fifth anniversary this year since we finished it, and it's almost at a million views. Yes, congratulations so. on that. Uh, I was telling Joe uh, yesterday. So Joe obviously comes over every week to uh, Twitch. Come to Twitch with me, and I was telling him, like, I'm like, yo, Big Jack's got this many subscribers, but he's got almost a million views racked up on the King Kong remake that he did. Um, so yeah, that's quite an accomplishment. Any, every YouTuber's dreams to have a million view video, so. I, I would love to see you guys do a watch party on that, just so I can laugh my ass off that you guys are just like, oh god. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We, we'll, maybe like one of these nights we'll, 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 we'll kill one. Um, uh, speaking of watch parties, I guess we can bring this up real quick. Uh, next Thursday, we are going to be doing a Rocky watch party, because next, next, well, actually no, actually not next Thursday, the following Thursday. Uh, the 16th, the 16th, two weeks from now, is going to be the Rocky Watch Party celebrating my 35th birthday. And we're going to be also doing a Matrix Resurrections Watch Party on the 30th, which will be the last stream on Nerdcage Live for 2021. Why not do the very last HBO Max movie, Matrix Resurrections? Um, I know Jack doesn't is not too keen on it, but... I did a whole essay on it. How I know, it's I know. I saw your video. I'm excited look, for it. Look, I'm just I can't saying, wait to given, watch it, everybody. given franchise track records, I'm going to call it. It's going to be another. I, I, I'm, I hate to jinx it. I'm, I'm going to knock on wood for you, man. But I feel like it's going to be booty sauce. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the booty sauce. So. Be a lot of, remember this? Remember? It's like, oh, <laughs> look. If they do it like Ghostbusters Afterlife, it should be fine. I liked Ghostbusters. I, I actually, loved the shit out of it. I loved it. <laughs> I'll say this. I nickname it Ghostbusters of the Third Kind. I mean, they could have called it, like, Ghostbusters the Next Generation. I mean, it was good. I'm not going to spoil anything. I just tell people, go see it. And know what else is really good, Jack? House of Gucci was fan. Fantastic! I loved it. I took my mother uh, on Sunday. Um, I will say that there were some scenes in that movie I wish my mother wasn't sitting next to me. Um, <laughs> but yes, right, um, also Gucci's fantastic. Lady Gaga, oh, she was so fantastic. I'm gonna um, have to take a look at it. But back to Kong. <laughs> yes, King Kong 1976. Um, stellar cast. We have a young Jeff Bridges. Jessica Lange oh first the feature film. The dude. Uh, I'm a huge Beethoven fan. Charles Grodin. Uh, am I saying that right? Yeah, uh, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin, Grodin. Excuse me. Yes. Like they all brought their A game for. Like I said, it's a fantastic cast. And you just mentioned earlier, Rick Baker with the effects of the makeup of King Kong. In the suit, like he had, he had to wear contact lenses. Oh, and I, I'll say this: that like, he explained this afterwards that. Um, 
after the movie, like, years later, that really fucked up his body. Apparently, he has eye issues because of the contact lens. Like, apparently, when they took him out, he could see halos and the lights constantly, so it's like a high. Yeah. Apparently, when they were shooting the ending where he's squatting at the helicopters, they were on, like, a little miniature set with, like, these little, like, kind of versions of the towers. And what happened was, apparently, a 2 by 4 landed on him at one point. He got back up, and they kept filming. But years later, he went to the doctor, and the doctor told him, dude, you broke your shoulder, and it's been like that for, like, 20 years. So he was going 20 years with a broken shoulder. It's like, how is that possible? I would actually recommend, Jay, if you watch the movie again, uh, the first disc has, like, a bunch of audio commentaries. Mm -hmm. uh, Rick does a commentary on the, on the Blu-ray. It's worth listening to, because him and Ray Morton, they both do different commentaries. Um, fantastic uh, little things and stories that they tell on that. Um, and that's the only thing I'll say about the Blu-ray that I was kind of disappointed with was uh, the bonus features are fantastic for what we got, especially with the extended cut. But on top of that, I just wish there was more. I wish Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange did contribute in some way to the documentary. Um, I know Charles Jordan was probably out because literally when I got the, the day I got the Blu-ray was the day he passed away. Yeah, um, I'm sad about him too because like I said, Beethoven was one of my childhood favorite movies and that's the yeah, reason like why I saw him He is so gung-ho. He is having, you can tell he's having a blast playing this character. He's like, you know, if we had found oil, we would add golf, shell, action, crawling all over here. Not this one, pal. Kong is on me and Petrox. A free-ass yeah. Wilson exclusive. Move your ass, shorty! Yeah, <laughs> no, he was so fantastic. And Jeff Bridges... Another thing I like, too, is something that I don't think anybody talks about enough is that I like the fact that Jeff Bridges... Now, this is coming from a guy with a beard and long hair, okay? I like the fact that <laughs> I, Jeff Bridges... I got my back. It's fine. Well, I'm just saying, Jeff Bridges, is a, he's a very... Not a bad-looking fellow, but he was rugged. Uh, not exactly the stereotypical um, A-lister, good-looking Hollywood guy. And here he is, like, you know, being romantic with Jessica Lange's character. And he's, like, winning, he wins her over. and what I like the fact that the rugged guy wins the girl, you know? He's so chill. He's like, yeah. you know, like in, when they're on the super tanker, he's like, oh, God, I'm tired of thinking. They have had the right idea. You know, yeah. just like, it's so chill. I love the scene in the, like, it's funny because I love the scene in the bar at Hangover Square, which, by the way, that place is still there at Hangover Square. If, you ever, if you're going to New York to see uh, uh, your, your mom and shit, Jay, um, go to Hangover Square mm -hmm. and go to that bar. And it's the same bar in the movie. The food is the best in Manhattan. Okay, good to know. If I have time, it's going to be tough because, like I said, it's my aunt's 60th birthday, so I'm hoping to have time. I'll be in New York uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, get a drink there. Get a drink so you can I just be like... Jack, I don't drink. I, I'm a straight edge. Oh, I know. I was just like, you know, a Coke or something. <laughs> then you see, like, the power flicking on. It's like, it's like here's to all the future sons and daughters of King Kong. Yeah, yes. we got that 10 years later. I love that scene. That's another thing. I, I do love those scenes between Bridges. Bridges and Lange have some fantastic chemistry in the If movie. you like that scene, there is a, they actually extend that in the extended TV cut, and they actually give more of an explanation why the end is a bit more uh, downplayed, because you notice that at the end they don't hug, they don't like do anything, unlike the other films. Because apparently, um, in the in the original cut that the previous screenings that they had before the movie's release, there was a lot of stuff. Even in the extended cut, they didn't put in because it was too upsetting. One was that Charles Grodin lives in the uh, previous screenings, and they they said, "Oh, he should have died," so they cut it to make it look like he was killed. 
But in the uh, in the previous screening, they also had it where the scene at the end where they're all where Lang's crying and covered in, in like photos and stuff. J uh, Jack Prescott actually walks away. You see him walk off saying, by thought, basically, like, he, and it's, it's a lot more depressing. But again, they cut it because they felt that was too much. Um, and it, that's not in the extended cut, but there's a scene in that bar that basically has Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange extend their dialogue where after he, at, when Jeff Bridges says, you know, it depends on Kong, he's bigger than both of us. And she's like, oh, don't tease me, I'm serious. And then he says... Well, so am I. If that monkey doesn't make it, we're going to have him on our backs for the rest of our lives. We're never going to be able to look at each other in the eye. So basically, yeah. it was kind of a foreshadow of what would come at the end of the film. And that all that has to go credit to the, to the script by, um, of all people, Lorenzo Simple Jr., who was mostly famous for writing the 60s Batman series. And I feel he also, I think he also did write the script for Flash Gordon, like yeah. a couple years later for Dino. So, and that, I want to bring that up too. Dino Villarentes. Yes. That was when he was at the top of his prime. He was on the the, the, the the pyramid of gods in terms of film producers. Anybody who could work with them would work with them, yep. despite him being a pain in the ass. Um, oh, he was like a perfectionist. He was like the Cameron, of an Italian James Cameron. And the way it went about him wanting to do it was uh, the biggest reason for his end uh, 1975, Jaws was the biggest thing ever. He was making all these epics, and they were all kind of flopping, and here comes this young Steven Spielberg kid who makes this crappy shark movie, and it makes, like, the most money. Now he's like, I, I need to make a, my own Jaws to cash in, and he spent years trying to get out of the shadows of, a, of Spielberg and Lucas. That's why even, like, Star Wars, that's why he made Flash Gordon. Yeah. So it, it, he was trying to... I mean, he even made... Easily one of the best Jaws ripoffs of all time, Orca. I love the shit out of Orca. Yeah. Um. So he was trying to get. A, he thought Kong. That's the next big thing. So he and it's funny because even though he produced the movie, he wanted to make it. The actual concept of the remake started with the vault people, Michael Eisner. Yeah. Um. This was before he was head of Disney, and he uh, thought he was watching the original on TV. And he's like, okay, you know what? A remake, a big budget remake, sounds pretty kick-ass. So he went to. He did go to Paramount first uh, to get the remake going, who produced the movie. But then he went to Universal the same day. And when RKO went to both studios, the, the, the studio that owns the original, this was after the no remakes policy expired on them, which you know, today could be probably be used. Yeah. Um, basically, they had signed the contracts with Paramount, but Universal got a verbal contract. And that's what led to like almost a year-long lawsuit between the two studios because they did both want to do a remake at the time. In fact, Universal got pretty far. They have a lot, there's a lot of leaked scripts out there and concept art. In fact, I have photos of Bob Burns, the famous uh, film collector, in a prototype ape suit that they were making for the film. Um, never got off the ground, and they eventually, I think they did settle everything. I think eventually, uh, while Paramount got to do the movie, Universal eventually did get the license after a year after the film came out. Yes. And okay, so I just want to backtrack just a little bit what you mentioned earlier. Uh, one thing I want to talk about too about what makes this version of King Kong 76 stand out among the other King Kong movies. You mentioned the ending. Um, by the way, I uh, just want to say uh, happy early birthday to Byron Kingsley in the chat. Um, happy birthday, Brian. Yes, great, great supporter of both of our channels. And yes, happy birthday, man. And I hope it's a fantastic 27th birthday to you. Um, anyway, so. Um, the ending of Before course. Yeah, I just want to say, I also yep. want to just give a major shout out to my best friend, uh, Dova Jessu on Instagram. It's her birthday today. Um, go check her out on Instagram. 
Jay, if you want to put a link down below later on, you can, but just yeah. shout out on that end. Absolutely. Um, but Jack, you talked about, uh, we talked about the ending earlier. I just want to say the ending of this movie, like even compared to the, all the other King Kong movies, like this ending gives me the feels like this is like the most tragic ending of King Kong I have ever seen. See, it's, I mean, all the endings are are pretty are, are pretty you know emotional. I mean, even Peter Jackson's, despite it being long in a remake, it, the ending does do its job. I remember actually, apparently, I heard this story that when the movie came out, the Jackson remake, people who saw early screenings were making up fake stories that at the end Naomi Watts jumped off the building with him. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if they had done that, that would have been even more dark. But anyway, um. Basically, with this ending, I think it's because it's probably the... That's another thing about this movie. It is easily the most violent Kong movie before yeah. the MonsterVerse. Because you see Kong, he's ripping the snake, like the jaws, but it's more graphic than the original. Yeah. And you know what? People say that scene looks fake. I love that sequence, the snake fight. Um, extended cut extends that. You see more of that scene, and it's, it's a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's just that that there's a lot of violence. Like Kong steps on people. Um, but when he gets shot by oh miniguns, oh my god, it's things. brutal! And then, then like the facial expression he makes, knowing that he's about to die, and like his struggle. And like Jeff Bridges is screaming at the window, he's just shouting assholes. Yeah, like dude, it's like I said, it's probably the most emotional ending. I, I mean, granted, it's the same ending as the other Kong movies, but I just think this one hits the hardest because you just. It was. It was actually shot three separate ways. That one time they shot some of it with uh, Rick Baker in the on the models uh, trade center with actually. Uh, they were originally going to use RC helicopters, but they were afraid they were too dangerous. So they put them on cables and on a track on on the building on like the top of the soundstage. Mm -hmm. They shot it that way. They shot it on blue screen for like compositing with the real helicopters. They even went to an air base and had Rick Baker on a platform as real helicopters flew. It's those shots of him like looking in the, like over the shoulder with the choppers coming in. Yeah. That was uh, real helicopters. And apparently Rick Baker got hit by a couple of uh, blank shells, like actually hot shells went down and he felt like he was, the suit was going to burn because the shells were so close to him. They shot real blanks too, so. Wow, dude. Yeah, it's really an incredible ending. And uh, you, you just talk about like the suit and stuff like that. Like, how about the scene where he destroys the train and all those explosions? Oh, well, that, that gave Bert to easily the greatest ride of all time confrontation at Universal Studios Florida. In fact, I am so wearing for sure. a Flex, Jack, t-shirt. A vintage T-shirt from 2000 when the ride came out. I've had this. Uh, I got this for Christmas. It's, it's a beautiful shirt. But yeah, that's a great sequence. I've actually been to that location where they shot it. Um, and actually, I was. It's funny. Again, if you go to New York, Jay, mm -hmm. uh, go to Planet Hollywood at near Times Square. They have one of the original model uh, trains on display in that restaurant. Oh, like, that's one awesome. One of the original props. Yeah, like, I, I've been to the Empire State Building, and uh, if you go there, they have a lot of King Kong memorabilia, like crazy. They actually just put out a brand new attraction, and one of the buildings, you can have, like, go in his hand, and there's, like, projections on the windows of him, like, trying oh, to fly really? an airplane. Yeah, yeah no, they, they have, have like, some like, posters and, like, stuff, like, King Kong stuffed animals where he's, like, holding on to the Empire State Building and shit like that. It's pretty damn rad. Yeah, it's, 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 it's funny when so you bring it up, because apparently, it's I want to say this, because apparently... Uh, when they were going to make the movie, because they shot all the New 
your stuff in July, in the hot summer of July 76. Yeah. Um, they, I think they shot there for about two two weeks. And apparently they were having a really hard time getting the permits from the uh, New York uh, department to shoot at the World Trade Center. And their backup plan was, let's go shoot it at the Empire State Building. In fact, the uh, guy who made the poster... Uh, the iconic poster of him in between the towers, which does not happen, although they gave birth to a bunch of merchandise and model kits and stuff. Uh, he had made sketches of of him on the Empire State Building in case as a backup plan had that not worked out. In fact, yeah. that's even with the, with the original poster, because the poster was literally made a year before the release and before they even started shooting anything. Yeah. And that poster was handed out in mail, and that's the one with him with the jet fighters, because they were going to use jet fighters but they couldn't actually uh, get that going. And I think they were actually going to reach out to the Canadian military uh, to, to go over and like shoot some B-roll, but they couldn't like obviously get them. That's why actually there was this, again, a scene in the extended cut. You see those jet fighters that were promised in the poster and they actually abort the fighters and send in the choppers instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have not seen the TV version just for everybody in the chat knows. I have not seen the, uh, TV version, but Jack is promising me that he's going to do a watch party, so I'm waiting to watch it I want to do a watch party Jack. on my channel. I just got to find a time. It's probably going to be at the 11th hour, but I'm going to make that happen. But yeah, with with um with a lot of that ending and stuff, just the way it was shot, in fact, the scenes with Kong as he's like laying in the like cracked pavement, and it's all the Rick Baker suit and the close-ups, from what I heard, that was done at like the last those few days of shooting, and that was one of the rare times that Baker and Lang actually got to work off each other because basically when they were shooting that death scene, they were shooting it in a parking lot and Baker was trying to shoot this and they called up Lang and said, can you come down and just like interact with Baker off camera? So when he's like looking up at her, he's actually looking at Lang in person and they're actually, I think it was probably the only time they ever had any interaction because I don't think even... I think Lang was even oblivious to who Baker was at the time. I don't know about now, yeah. because that's one thing I will say that's kind of a bummer about this film. Lang is very resentful of this film, even though this is the movie that made her career. Because um, at the time it came out, she, her acting, like all that, her performance was pan. And I don't get why. She was wonderful in this movie. And she looked damn good <laughs> probably the most attract, attractive of kong's girlfriends i'm just gonna say yeah I, got, I agree she that she was fantastic fine dude just no i i can't i you know what people say oh i like her in the native outfit i love her in that fucking new york dress yeah holy shit like she's got a good bare back god damn like yeah, yeah she's no she's she's showing that she's definitely a certified 10 like she i i I mean, and I look for, and for the record, she looks great still. Like she looks. She's also she still looks fantastic. She's also like at the time she got the role because apparently they were having real struggles casting the right actress. Uh, some of the auditioneers were like Meryl Streep, Barbara Streisand, like and oh, they would have been awful. There's a story uh, Meryl Streep came out on an interview, I think, on the Kyle Morton show or something, where um, she said she had gone for an audition and uh, Dino and you know. Uh, what is it? Dino De Laurentiis uh, uh, had brought her in like for an audition, or she auditioned, and then he said something in Italian. But because Mel Streep can understand Italian, he said to his son, his producers, uh, Dino, he said "Che brutta," which means "Why did you bring me this ugly thing?" Oh. That was back, and so he called Meryl Streep ugly, and I'm like, "Oof!" So she went on and did something else. But anyway, um, when Lang got the role, she 
was working as a mime and off like the grid and everything. And I think like somebody literally shouted, I found my Faye Ray. Like that's what's in the headlines. And she literally had her braces removed to get right when she got the part. So that's how young oh, wow. she was when she made this. She was like 19 or something. And after the movie came out, she won a Golden Globe for her performance. But because of the critique, uh, critics uh, panning her performance, she went off grid for a couple of years and didn't come back until I think she did a movie with Jack Nicholson. That was her first movie after Kong mm-hmm. um, that she did. But she went off and did a lot of acting uh, uh, training and stuff after that role because she just got it and was just kind of whisked away uh, to the island of Kauai where they also shot Jurassic Park. Um, another cool thing about this movie, Skull Island, looks beautiful in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yo, Joe, tackle that. Uh, qu- yeah, so Joe, Jack, you got a, some questions here. Um, so go ahead and tackle Shay Smithers' question there, Joe. All right, yeah. Shay says, uh, I'm the only one who thought Dawn and Kong's bonding ze- scenes on the island together were just a tad bit suggestive. <laughs> um, I think that was the point uh, because the, it's one of the reasons why there's no dinosaurs in this movie, which a lot of people were really pissed off about. Even though, like, Dino has said, oh, we, you know, there was no technology or no ability to really do that. And, but reality, you could have done that. I mean, if you've seen uh, Doug, Mc, uh, is it Doug McClure? Um, the Land That Time Forgot, which came out like a few, like three or four years before Kong, those dinosaurs, despite them being rod puppets and shit, they look fantastic. I, so see, I'm that, okay with it because I feel like the spectacle in the movie's still great. And again, what I just talked, we typed on earlier is what makes this movie stand out. Like, it was his own thing. And I feel like Kong 76 is definitely the most grounded version of Kong that we ever got. And so, yeah, because, like, so I putting mean, dinosaurs even, in there is at... more fantasy than grounded. But it's still... I, like I said, I felt the spectacle in the giant snake was enough for me personally. And, and you bring that up because it is very much, uh, it is a fantasy, but it also takes a lot more of the realism of the films made at that time. This was at the time of like literally five months before Star Wars just broke everything. Yeah. Um, and this was back when 70s movie were a bit more downbeat, creepy. Yes, dark, um, yeah, you know, like... Things like Earthquake, Earthquake, Jaws, um, The French Connection. Uh, all these big gritty movies. I so spit on your film. grave, anyone? Yeah, like this is at the time that they basically said, let's remake this movie and the fantasy of it, but also give it a bit more realism. Another reason why I liked it, this is probably the most realistic of the Kong movies. Like if this shit actually happened, yeah, this is I how agree. it would play out. I um, absolutely and, agree. But in terms of like the dinosaur uh, excuses, the other thing is like, I mean, it could be done. I mean, but it could have been better than, say, what Universal was doing, because they had originally gotten Jeff Danforth, the stop-motion animator, to do the effects, but then he got too expensive. So then, then they brought in the guy who did all the effects for the creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. and you look at all of his dinosaur stuff from, like, the land unknown, like, oh, this would have been shit. And this would have been island setting and so on, yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, essentially, that was the main excuse, but I think the real reason was it... There was just not. There wasn't enough of uh, space in the film to have dinosaurs because they wanted to focus on the love story, the Beauty and the Beast concept, which was something even Cooper, uh, the original creator, had wanted to do uh, since the, or, or the first film. Uh, you know, they pretty much upped the ante on this one, and not just not just in sort of the love story connection. I think this is also the first time that 
uh, one of Kong's girlfriends isn't just straight up shitting her pants all the time, screaming her head off. Like yeah. this was the first time she had empathy for him and understood him and actually tried to help him. And, and I love like, like she was love... communicating with him, like she's talking to him, like. Yeah, oh, when Kong, I was please. ten years old, my aunt they took me up to the Empire State Building. I got sick in the elevator. I'm a Libra. What sign are you? I bet you're an Aries. <laughs> That's you know it's blank if you miss it, but <laughs> in, in the uh, fun fact in the AMC cut they actually trimmed that shower bit out. They cut that out of the montage. Yeah, on I'm... AMC you can't see that 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 sequence. I I, I don't well, know why. I don't think it's that suggestive. <laughs> you don't see too much. But um, the whole thing is like people say it's cringe and like when Kong's smiling, it's really creepy. I think I try to defend it because I think it's just him saying, hey. I'm in love with you. You're you're hot. You're cute. I want to hang out with you. Well, not just that. I agree with that. Not just that, but it gave Rick Baker the chance to show off his, you know, you know, to, to make the It was the, mostly the, the eyes. It was, it was his eyes. It was really yeah. his eyes. And all the mechanics on the mask, it's funny because the masks were actually done... Um, with bicycle technology where like, you know, like when you have a bike and you shift gears and the little things, it was made out of that kind of material when the mask would pull back and have him smile and stuff. There were yeah. actually wires attached to the back of the suit that would go down the back and actually go out of his foot. And there would be, that's why you don't, half the time you don't see Kong's feet because the wires are, he are still attached to the suit off stage with the mechanics and everything. So a lot of it is in Baker's eyes. Like, yeah, not just that, but like you're talking, you're, you're, you're like what five, like five, four or five years after the last Planet of the Apes movie, and you compare the gorilla makeups in that movie compared to the gorilla makeup here, it's night and day. Like they stepped up their game big time with with the with the gorilla effects, like the makeup effects. Is, it's Universal was really... even thinking about with their ape suit, they wanted to use the same uh, technique they had done in the apes movies to make give more human expression. Didn't end up working out too well. In fact, they even they even got to the point that they did test screenings and stuff. And they even had at one point Andre the Giant was on hand to play Kong at some point in the Universal remake. But uh, yeah, I just feel like this was upping the game compared to the makeup with the apes movies because. It felt more animalistic, and even, yeah. like the suit was just. Apparently, Baker hates that suit because it was uncomfortable to wear. Oh yeah, I would imagine. Oh, it was the first time really doing that stuff. In fact, the entire suit was actually bare skin. It wasn't like it was bare fur. That like without 
the lighting and stuff, it was a colored mess of fur and stuff. It was made out of several materials, but it was only because of the lighting guys and the camera angles that they made it work so well. And oh, it's just a, it's one of the best suits I've ever seen of of like like apes and stuff. I mean, I know later on Rick Baker he ended up doing much better improved uh, ape effects in things like Gorillas in the Mist and especially another giant gorilla remake. Mighty Joe Young by Disney, he did all the, he said he stated on record that the ape suit in Mighty Joe Young, which takes about 90% of the film's effects, was what he wanted to do with Kong like 20 years uh, prior. Yeah. Uh, before, if, you've seen, if you haven't seen Mighty Joe 98, it. it's actually, it's a decent remake. Uh, it, it's, I think it actually is a little better than Harryhausen's, the Harryhausen film. I love the Harryhausen film, but this one was a little better. So, um, anyway, yeah, it's one of those things where, the suit works so well. And then there's also just the full-size pieces. I mean, say what you will about the giant-ass robot, which we'll get to later. But the hands by Carlo Rambaldi, the man who did Alien, E.T., Close Encounters, these these giant hand pieces, they're yeah. great. They look fantastic. Yeah, it actually looked real. Like, there are some shots where it actually looks real. Not just, like, the hand props, but another thing, too, I appreciate about this movie, you know, upon the, you know, my rewatch from last night, is the use of green screen. Um, for Actually, that time. blue screen. Blue screen. It, green screen wasn't invented yet. It was mostly blue screen. Okay. Thanks Thanks for that correct. I stand corrected. Thank you. Yeah, um, it was It was the first time they really composited those kind of shots. And, like, unlike the Toho films, yeah. Kong films, these are just fantastic composited shots. Yeah. Like, they look great. Like, especially the stuff with Lang and Baker That's, kind of together. Yeah, exactly, like, where he's, like, holding her up close. Like, you, you, sometimes you can't even tell. You can't even tell. There's one, I don't know if you noticed this, there's that one shot in the World Trade Center where, like, Kong's running away from the guys with the flamethrowers, and there's that quick shot of Lang in the in the hand as he's like jogging off the building right now you think that was rick baker's chest in fact that was the robot that they actually they when they the last few days of shooting they stripped the robot bot apart and just took the best elements and basically filmed lang in a day of shooting just her on the blue screen and stuff with with the full-size piece just in case they needed any last minute shots so stuff like that hardly can tell but it looks fantastic. Like, the compositing's great. And even on the Blu-ray, the way they transferred it, it still looks great. Like, I don't think they did any new compositing. So they, just, they just cleaned it up and made it look so much better. Yeah, don't be wrong. There, there are a couple spotty shots. But again, it's 1976, you know. The, the parts that get me, there's a couple shots that I'm just like, that could have been done better. One is... Um, some of the stuff on the World Trade Center, like that leap, that big wide shot of the leap that he does. Yeah. And you see like Kong above, like in that big wide shot. That looks like a little doll. And even that's the one part I'm like, the doll that's always he, whispering and in a couple shots. Yeah, well, it's funny. In, in the other, I think they cleaned it up for the Blu-ray. I don't know if they included it, but on a lot of the releases... There is literally that shot of him falling, which was basically him on wires on a blue screen. They just zoomed in on him. There is one frame at the very start of the shot where he's not even in there. So he literally pops into frame. Like, they, like you'll notice this. It is literally a reverse version of the guy falling in Turtles 3. Like, a, a, like a complete reversal. Because you know in like Turtles 3 when he falls and he evaporates into the water? This is the opposite. He evaporates and comes forward. So you'll notice that in earlier releases. But I think... They cleaned it up for the Blu-ray. They actually cut that one frame out just to make it a bit more um, better, which I think improved it. 
Um, but some of the, yeah, I agree. Some of the shots, some of the effects. Um, the snake, apparently that thing did not work at all. Um, because apparently, like, it was just so cumbersome to work with that they even thought, why don't we just make a miniature version of the suit, get a little person, and get a real boa constrictor and just make them fight on, like, a high frame rate. And they thought, no, we don't have time, so let's just cut the snake up in pieces and just do it all in tight close-ups. And that's yeah. the majority of how, but how again, they did it. But again, like, it's 1976. I'm not going to make a, like, throw a huge fuss over But like I said, but there are some, some of those blue screen shots are just really, really, really well done. Um, I'll about... say this too uh, with the hands very quickly before we get yeah. to the next bit. Um, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science Museum that's going to open in LA soon, they have the original animatronic hand that's going to be on display there. Now, unfortunately, all the latex and the fur is gone, but you see the mechanical structure, like the armature, um, all still intact or restoring it. I was actually going to see that piece. I was actually going to attempting. Because I know where it came from. It came from South Carolina because they had actually taken some of the stuff from the 70s remake and had tried to recycle it in the sequel, but it was all left to trash. And this oh, guy had it on his front yeah. lawn for like 30 years, and I was going to go down and check it out, but the Academy beat me to it. And I was so pissed off. I would have documented it. It would have been great. But actually, there is another mechanical arm that is in a museum in Italy that was actually a re that was used in the sequel that is still intact, still has the fur, and it's going to be part of the Carlo Rambaldi Museum in Italy. So there you've got two different places in the world to look at the full-size pieces. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Any other... Um, trying to think about other scenes I want to, we, that we haven't covered yet. Um, do, we, do we want to talk about the stuff on, like, the, the island of Kauai or the presentation scene with, like, the... Where they, like, present them in a giant gas pump? Yeah, you know, we can, we, we can talk about that because... Okay, so... Big difference between 1976 and 1933 for those who don't know. 1933, it, it, when Kong's being shown off, he's in the theater on a, on a huge platform in the theater, chained Her up. Kong, it's Wonder of the Wild. Fantastic, by the way. So 1976, they went an entirely different route. It was like a carnival. They were going for, because originally Dino wanted to shoot it in uh, actually the Yankee Stadium. He wanted to shoot the scene, so it would be like a big Super Bowl event. Yeah. Uh, but um, but again, it was too cost effective. So and they actually wanted to shoot it in New York, but again, the robot wasn't ready. So they literally filmed it in August in California, and they took the wall of Skull Island, like the ancient wall they had built, which cost at the time eight hundred grand to build that wall. Right? Holy smokes. Yeah, like this movie at the time, I think it was like one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time. Um, I believe they it. basically took the wall and basically put like tin foil, like American stuff all over the wall and just recycled the sets and just repainted over them. And I guess the idea was to show here's what our adventures look like on the island. We're going to retell it. Like when uh, Fred Wilson's telling Jeff and uh, Jessica Lang, it's like, I'm possibly working on a deal for balancing and choreographing the beauty of the beast bit. Maybe we'll yeah. think of some nutty way of Kong giving away the bride. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And like I said, and that thing, what you just said, there i think that's a very good efficient way like it was very cost effective and efficient and honestly god jack if you never saw, you know mentioned that i never would have noticed like not, not i mean i'm gonna notice it now moving forward but i never would have known that that was the same like set it piece. was the same set it was it was the same set it was actually shot a lot of that was shot on the mgm uh, studios which is now the sony lot which is where they shot puck so oh. Hook was shot in the same area, same place they shot Kong, which is pretty cool. The wall is no longer there. It's now a bunch of housing, and I don't think there's anything left. Um, 
But yeah, and I love that because like I also love that's where I think Charles Grodin is actually just the most snarky, yep. and he's having the best like the scene in the dress room where like Jeff Bridges comes in to say call it quits, and he's like, "It's like I'm quitting your circus, Fred." You big idiot! You signed a contract. You gave it a back. He's like, here's the SP- money for the SBCA. Send Kong Send home. home. And then he's like, you know, then he's like, Dwan, come with me. And he's like, you'll never work in the. You'll never find a job again. I'll make sure. No, no, of no, no. It. Here's what he says. Go ahead. Except I promise you, you'll never get another booking in your life. Yeah. You'll end up tap dancing at Rotary clubs. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what? That scene is extended in in the in the cut because that right, that scene where like uh, Jack's leaving and, and J- Jessica Lange's about to reach out to him, but like Charles Grodin holds her back. There's an extended dialogue where he says, "You know, it's the old stories, toots. When you're making it to the top, you gotta you gotta cut some of the line at the bottom. You can't drag it with you, right?" Yeah. Oh, he's so gaslighting and shit. But when they're presenting Kong, he's there with his like like there's Lang in this. Gorgeous fucking dress. Like I love the dress she wears in that whole ending. Yes. But then there's freaking Charles Grodin in the safari hat. Like he looks Sorry. like uh, the guy in the last dinosaur, like the hunter in the last. I was like, yo, ding dong. Um, he's like, don't worry, everybody. He can't escape. It's unbreakable. No, no, no. He's like, well, beforehand, he's like, you know, and thus beauty set forth on the Forbidden Island and was seized in the great pride of the beast. And then like he's just screaming. Hail to the power of Kong and Petrox. And yeah, that's it. So like, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing whatever to fear. That is an escape proof cage certified by the New York City Department. So like, yeah, no, it's not. In fact, when they shot that sequence, one of the visitors there was um, uh, Forrest Ackerman, uh, the guy who wrote Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. So. He's somewhere in the movie in a cameo. He's fantastic. And which brings us to the giant fucking robot, which was a huge problem. So obviously Dino Rantes wanted to compete with Jaws in more ways than one. He wanted his own giant mechanical monster because, oh, look, the shark did well. But little did he know that the thing with Jaws is that the shark didn't fucking work because it was a big robotic hydraulic piece of shit. So... He learned the hard way. Oh, we can make it the work. We can make it the current He's going to make this a work. Uh, it was abysmal. It didn't really get finished until August that year. Like, right at the very end of shooting. And it was only on screen for, like, a solid 10 seconds of yeah. screen time. Because they had to quickly cut away to make sure it's not fake. Now, unfortunately, the extended cut does not show more of the robot, but they do show more of Baker in, like, the suit. But... There are actually behind-the-scenes footage out there. You can actually find more of it actually freaking working in some scenes. And that thing was a was a, was it basically it was the equivalent of a giant store mannequin, a forty-foot store mannequin. It was just fiberglass. It was horse hair, which they actually sold off in little keychains you can get uh, occasionally, so you can get actual Kong hair. Um, it was hydraulics. It was just not working. And I'll say this though, like we bring out that though, there's not much left of the wall, but I have something that I know a lot of people already know I have, but I don't know if show I feel it. Show it, I know what it is, show it. So, show and what tell. I have here is, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think he, uh, Fallen seen it. Um, this is nice. the teeth that was in his fucking mouth on the animatronic. This is a Carlo Rambaldi, this is a screen-used prop. 
This was used on on the inside the animatronic. It was later recycled for the sequel because they basically stripped that entire robot apart and uh, just reused it. But this is just uh, resin. It's made of resin. And I got this in an, uh, on eBay for about $200, but it's the best $200 I ever spent. This is a piece of history, what you're seeing here. So if it's the size of a football, imagine how big his fucking mouth is. Like, that thing was a monster. Hey, Jack, wait a second. Before you put that away, Jack, is, is, there any, is there any, like, any signs of tooth decay? Or is there any cavities? Okay, let's see. Is there any signs of Charles Grodin's uh, blood DNA so we can clone him or his, you know, it's like, no, no, there's nothing here, unfortunately. But you could see in, like, the details, like, the details of this tooth. Like, there's little chipish, there's little, you know, the paint job is fantastic. The fact is, so I would guess this is probably, like, one of his bottom fangs, like, that would go in, like, the bottom of his tooth. Because he had, like, four fangs built into him, and they built multiple versions, but, um... That is probably the prized possession in my in my film memorabilia collection. I mean, outside of all the Kong stuff, like the posters and stuff. I mean, I even got the record. I've got the like the album that was released at the time. I even have the movie. This is hilarious. I have the movie on. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the format CED, mm -hmm. uh, which is sort of like Laserdisc, but it's on like one of those folding things. So I have that. Like, I am a huge fan of this movie. <laughs> I, yeah, that robot. Really. <laughs> that robot did not work at all. It, but again, if you watch the extended cut, which we will do at some point, Jay, there's a lot more of Kong Rampage and stuff. Like some of the new stuff yeah, they added. Yeah, you great. mentioned. Okay, I don't want to go too deep because I don't want to be spoiled too much. But you did, wasn't there a scene? I think you told me personally that where King Kong throws a uh, a car through a building. Yeah, yeah. I think it just. I think they cut it because they just didn't want to make Kong too much of a killer. Like, they wanted him to be more like he's yeah, just he, looking he, for his he love. he took the other girl on the train and hawked her. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought that, well, that was an odd to the original when he's climbing out the building and he sees that girl and, like, yeah. he's not her. It's like, what a bitch? Yeah, like, oh, great. He, he literally does this, I think, the first time, like, Kong ever needed somebody. It, it's Kong swapping left. <laughs> yeah, what's well, funny? Oh, my God. That should be a meme. Somebody make that a meme on, on YouTube yeah, or something. Yeah, someone, uh, King Kong swaps left. Yeah, King Kong uh, Tinder. If, if Derek's uh, in the chat, I'm sure he's already on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder if too is like with all the uh, with all the uh, stuff happening in this movie with the suit and everything. Outside of Rick Baker, there was also Will Shepard, who was his stunt guy in the suit whenever Baker couldn't do anything too dangerous. So he did the leap from the Trade Center. He was the one who smashed through the full gate. He's the one that dropped into the trap. In fact, that scene where he's like he falls in. And then he kind of gets up and he's like reaching for the air and then he just out of frustration just slams his fist, right? Yeah. That was not acting. That was accident because Shepard had fallen into the thing. He had gotten up and he was trying to hear the director because you can't hear him this thing. And the director was like, he felt like he fucked up. So Will Shepard out of frustration literally just went, fuck, right? But then they used that take in the, in the scene because it was, they felt like, oh, wow, he looks good. Like yeah. Kong looks frustrated. So that was a scene that was not meant to be in the film, but clearly it's kind of like how Vigo broke his toe in two towers. They just left it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to think. What else? Uh, trying to think. What else do we want to cover here? We're, we're about one hour in right now. I'm trying to think. Is any other thing you want to? I'm handing the keys to you, Jay. Is there anything else you want want to cover on the movie? Um. um it's just that we pretty much covered the basic. I mean, there were some other actors in the film that. I feel like they were kind of 
of unknowns at the time, but they ended up getting really solid careers. But at the same time, it's like, they were some of the best characters. My other favorite character in the movie is Roy Bagley, the mm -hmm. oil specialist played by Renee, um, I, can, I can never pronounce his name, Arv Jonas. Uh, he was later in Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. He was in The Little Mermaid as the chef. Like, he was a huge actor in a lot of stuff. And um, he was the one who's like, you know, um, when uh, they, he comes back to uh, the island and tells Fred, it's like, oh, I finished the samples of that pool. It'll make really good oil in, say, uh, 10,000 years. Ten that you get better mileage filling up your Cadillac with mule piss. Like, that guy is amazing. Um, about a... I actually met him at a Comic-Con. Uh, he signed my poster. Really nice guy. He didn't have even a lineup, so I had a good conversation with him about shooting the movie, how he had brought his kids to shoot it, and it was just they were shooting it on He actually told me, dude, you, if you love this movie, you need to go to Kauai because it is one of the most beautiful islands in the world. Actually, fun fact, if you've seen the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean, when I Jack Sparrow's like... So I haven't right. seen it. Well, you, you remember that a lot. It was 10 years ago, but there's that scene where Jack Sparrow's walking through that sort of archway on the beach. That's the same beach they shot Kong. Like, that, that whole beat when they arrive on the beach, it's the same location. So, like, it, I think it's called, like, uh, Cathedral Beach uh, in, in Kauai. It's that one with the archway. Mm -hmm. But I just call it the Bronson's, the Bronson's Cave of Hawaii. <laughs> You know, because it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a very popular, uh, actually, it's a very isolated location on the island. Yeah. Um, but it was him, it was uh, Jack uh, O'Hallon, who was one of the uh, crew members. He went on to be uh, one of uh, Zod's henchmen in Superman 2, like the yes, Donner movie. that's right, that's right. He's the, the big dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he was Joe Perko. He was a boxer before he was an actor. Yeah, he was Joe. He was Joe Perko in '76, and he's the one who's like, uh, when it's like, when he, he's the one that takes Jessica Lang out of the water where they find her in a raft. Where yeah, he's like, he's like, out. yeah, I want to check her body for injuries. No, it's funny when they shot that scene. Lang didn't know this. Sharks were surrounding the raft, and it was like freezing cold in that in that water. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I want to clear her out of here. I'll examine her. I guess you have to undress her. It's usual in case of internal injuries or. Multiple shock syndrome. He's like, yeah, nice out. try, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, the captain, the captain of this movie, uh, of the ship, of uh, the Petrarch Explorer, uh, was actually in, in a lot of films in the 70s and disaster movies. He was in Earthquake. I think he was in the Towering Inferno. A uh, popular character actor. I can't, he, I can't remember what his name was, but he was a really cool dude uh, in a couple films. In fact, the Petrarch Explorer, I love that ship. Like, that's a beautiful ship. And actually, believe it or not, it's still in active duty. They, the U.S. Uh, Navy actually had just sent it over to, I think, Argentina or something to be used in their stuff. But it is a very popular ship, uh, like a very cool looking, like, like just vessel. And like, I don't I don't know if it tops the, the SS Adventure, per se, mm -hmm. from the original. But at the same time, it is a pretty cool ship. And all that was just they, that was actually the whole dock scene. That was the first thing they shot in the movie in January 76. Oh, okay. So that opening shot was probably the first thing they filmed. Excellent. Um, I'm trying to think what else in the what else that we uh, wanted to cover in the movie. Uh, like I said, I've been handing you the keys all night. Um, actually, uh, Joe, real quick, Joe, you've never seen it, but after hearing Jack go on about this movie, are you interested in watching it, Joe? I'll watch it. 
I'll, I'll tell you one thing we could also no. do. Well, at some point, I would love to do like a watch party on this because, like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Jay, but honestly, this movie was, despite critical meh and, you know, the whole, because the raw was used for publicity and stuff, um, it did well, but Dino was always saying, we want to make a King of Kong 2. Yes, and that that's, what I, want, that's what I want later. to say for last. Um, yeah, they, that didn't happen until 10 years later with King Kong Lives, with Brian Kerwin and Linda Hamilton fresh off the Terminator. Um, I've never that. seen King Kong Lives because I can't get my hands on a copy. So shout I, Factory, I, I if you are watching this. A copy, Jay. Jay, I can provide you a copy, a digital copy. It's all good, okay? okay. But let, I, just, I just want you to... I just want to give you a heads up. Yes. Go into it, expect nothing, and expect watching the equivalent of something like The Room or Batman and Robin. Like, say you're, it's not going to be this amazing sequel. You have to go in knowing it's so bad, it's good. You have to go in knowing <laughs> that this is not good. Like, this is not a good movie, but I'm going to have fun with how dumb it is. Like, because it, it does some pretty stupid things, but as a sequel, like as its own standalone, I think of it more not as an official sequel, more of a what if, like a like a Marvel what if, like what if he survived, right? Yeah. But you just kind of go into it in that mindset that they did just at least they tried something. That movie was tanked. That movie bombed. Actually, that was the last movie director John Gellerman ever did before he retired from the industry. He also did the first one. He also did prior The Towering Inferno, like the same director. So, um... But that doesn't that have, of- Alexa, I haven't seen it, but doesn't it have, like, the one of, like, the biggest King Kong rage scenes ever? The Oh, the rage scene? Oh, yeah, the... Oh, there's some great moments where he is just pissed the fuck off. Like, he is killing people. He uh, he is bloody. He is. He, it literally feels like it's almost like a fucking like a like a grindhouse movie. How violent he is in this movie. It's just blood. And, there, um, and there's like a scene where he like snaps a guy in half because he was oh making yeah, fun of him. Oh yeah, he eats a guy. He uh, stomps people. He uh, he takes out tanks. He he like like he just crushes this shit. And I'll say one thing that is like one thing that's really overlooked with the sequel. The score is fantastic. It's not John Barry. It's um ah can't remember what his name is, but the guy, he he brought a lot more of sort of the classy adventure you would see in the original film. That kind of classy adventure tone. And I think the idea was because this came out in '86. This was around the time that things like Indiana Jones was extremely popular. So guess what? They look at Brian Kerwin in the movie and they at one point reference him as like, oh, you're Indiana Jones. Like they make fun of the, the movie is somewhat self-aware too with itself. So some of the humor is a lot more like, yeah, we know we're in a big dumb movie, but we're going to make fun of it in some areas. So you got to go into it in that field. And okay. I'll say this, um, I'll, I'll say this too as a fun story. I went to a uh, fan expo here in Toronto a couple years ago. Like this was like maybe a, like you met five, Linda six, Hamilton, right? Yeah, I, I, it's funny. Yep. I, uh, not only was Linda Hamilton there, but I also met uh, Michael Bean at the same time. Like they were both there, and I went up to Linda. She was extremely kind, extremely nice. And I said, "Linda, you're, you're you still look amazing. Loved you in Terminator." But then I told them, I told her, but I really, I know it's kind of like a controversial opinion. Really liked you in King Kong Lives, and she looked at me like, "You know about that piece of shit?" I'm like. I watched it as a kid on VHS. That was a cute little movie. She said, well, I'm surprised that a young kid like you 
like something that I'm not really proud of. And even though she was selling like pictures and stuff like of her in the movie, but at the same time, it's like, she's one of the best things about it. She's not like, and what's great is as a sequel, she's not the damsel in distress you think she's going to be. This is, remember, and actually it's funny because this is before she did Beauty and the Beast TV series uh, with uh, Ron, uh, Ron Perlman, right? Like that was prior. But she's not playing that. In fact, she's playing sort of the, they pretty much switched the genders where it's the guy that's more of the damsel and she's more of the, the action hero. So she's full on Sarah Connor in this movie and it, it's good. Like it's really good. But you got to, again, you got to go into it and just pretend none of the other movies happen. This is sort of a, a simulation what if scenario. And if you go into it in that it's its own thing, you might actually have a good time with it. Okay, and sometimes, sometimes you know, I'm good. I'm all down for like a bad movie for a good time. Now, question: uh, This is what I can't get my hands on the movie. I'm, is there any news or any rumors you can confirm? Are they good? Is Shout Factory going to release a Blu-ray? So here's the whole scenario with Libs is that the last time it was ever officially released on home video in North America was in 2005 when the Jackson when the Jackson movie came out all the Kong movies got an official release even the ripoffs that never saw the light of day Queen Kong Ape Mighty Peaky Man they all got released around that time to cash in on the Kong Mania of 2005. King Kong Lives was not distributed by Paramount, but because at the time, Studio Canal had actually gotten the rights to both films and a lot of Dino's uh, movies, and they're the ones who hold uh, real hard rights on Terminator 2, especially. And they're a European company. They have had issues before with, like, distributing their movies to other countries. Very possessive of that shit. And the DVD of King Kong Lives was actually released by 20th Century Fox. The DVD is awful. There is no bonus features, not even a trailer. It's one of those DVDs. But it was the only way you could get the movie. And it, to this day, it's been out of print. Like, I've seen yeah. it on Amazon go for high prices. But funny enough, I've seen it at thrift shops a lot. In fact, you know what? I'll tell you what, Jay. Next time I see it, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. as a, send you your own copy on DVD if they don't do a Blu-ray. But here's... I haven't heard anything from the up higher ups at Shout Factory that they are doing a Blu-ray, but because the Blu-ray for 76 did so goddamn well, yeah. fans, are already, fans are already petitioning to tell Shout Factory, get the rights to live and get that out there. Because for the longest time, there has been a rumor that the only way Kong 76 was ever going to be released on Blu-ray in North America was that... There were rumors about a Dino De Laurentiis box set by Paramount that would show all the movies he worked with them on. I mean, Kong 76, Orca, I think that White Buffalo movie he was, he made, um, yep. they were all going to be included in this Man box Hunt. set. Yeah, like they were all going to be included in this box set. And I guess it was just sort of a rumor. I mean, I would love to see a box set, like a, a De La, Dino De Laurentiis, the Dino De Laurentiis collection. It just rings a great box set, yeah. but that was sort of the rumor at the time. And I think because Shout Factory now does sort of have the rights to the Dino movies. I mean, we knew this was coming after Orca. They put Orca out a year prior and that blue, I still haven't had that Blu-ray yet, but from what I heard, the Blu-ray for Orca by Shout Factory is amazing. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they followed up with Libs. I just don't know when. Um, I, I hope have... they do ju just for a. Cl uh, listen, I'm, a f I'm not. I'm not a King Kong fan like you, but I'm a fan of King Kong. I mean, just so everybody sees, I got my King Kong shirt on today. <laughs> um, I have the same shirt, but, but I, it's black. I, I would love to have the movie just 
for the sake of having the movie. I love the character of King Kong. I, you know, I, I know it's a bad outing for Kong, but I would love just to have it for the sake of having it. And not just, not that I haven't seen it, but there's probably a lot of people who haven't seen it either. Yeah, because like the only way you can get new releases of Lives is you have to get like Region Two DVDs, Blu-ray, and Blu-rays from like countries. Like I mean, I remember even before the Shout Factory came out. I did order a Kong 76 Blu-ray off from Germany, and I got it, and it doesn't fucking work on my Blu-ray player, which really sucks. And that's how, how much we were did just you pay so... for that. <laughs> well, I paid, I paid like ten dollars for it. It wasn't that bad. It was okay. a pretty cheap Blu-ray. But the thing is, is like we've been petitioning this, and Shout Factory just really came through. Like when I got the news, uh, like literally almost a year ago, I knew right away I had to talk about it because I'd been petitioning about it on my show. And that actually, that video was so good. It's one of my highest rated videos. On top of that, Shelf Factory saw it and they actually were like, I think that's why they boost up my copy being released a little faster because I gave them a huge promotional vlog. But again, if they decide to do it, like, I would love to see, even if, like, yes, put Con Lives on Blu ray, but hell, if you want, make a double pack. Make a make one of those like double feature collectors editions with like both movies. Put out the De Laurentiis collection, like yeah. the Dino De Laurentiis monster movie collection. That sounds actually like a great box set. You know, oh, I, yeah. I paid the, that's like how they did. Didn't they do the Halloween movies too, Scream Factory? Uh, I don't. I I would imagine. I mean, Scream Factory does a lot of horror movies, so yeah, I wouldn't. What be was surprised. that? And then there was also what's that company that did the recent big huge Blu-ray for Waterworld? Was it like Arrow Video or something? Oh my god! Like what? There's, the there's a new company. That's actually, <laughs> no, there's like a new company that's been putting out a ton of Blu-rays. They just put out a new version of Legend, which I really want to get because it has like three cuts of the movie and it, like the picture quality is like 4K. Um, oh. So I don't know what the company's name is, but like they, there's Shout Factory and them are just putting out such great content, and I've been a fan of them for years ever since they put out my one of my favorite television series of all time whole movies they had put the, the dvds out i have this amazing 10th anniversary box set and, well, and you they mentioned put out the i just got the uh the yokai monsters collection um, i think that yeah that's the company with like the colors at the bottom like the colors yeah they're the ones who put out legend they also yeah they put out legend just recently they put out Waterworld, uh one of the best uh prints they released daimajin earlier this year too yeah so like there is a market, like, they, there's some great companies, so if Shelf Factory can actually do that, that would be great if they could put out Lives on Blu-ray along yeah. with, like, you know, all the other movies, because I think there is a market for it. And yeah. I think it would also, hell, if they put a Dino Laurentiis box set, do a new variant on, on the Blu-ray of Kong. Like, do a different cover or something. If they release King Kong Lives, I will gladly review it on Nerdcage Live. Maybe with you, Jack. I would love, like, yeah, I would definitely. Some of the commenters are saying it's gonna be booty sauce for you, Jay. But look, you just gotta <laughs> you just gotta go in with the lowest of expectations. Don't expect okay. any greatness. It's a big enjoy it and think of it as the room of Kong movies. It's so bad it's good. Oh. And you can kind of enjoy it for what it is. I mean, even James Rolfe of Cinemassacre, he yep. gave it a review and he said it's a bad movie, but there's enough to have fun with it. Um, but what I wanted to say about the Blu-ray is what's great is if they do a different variant for the for the box set, you have an alternate version. If you take the slip out, it has an alternate version with the original poster, right? Yeah. Now, I prefer the Blu-ray version to uh, differentiate it from the other releases, 
But um, yeah, it's just there's ways to still release this movie in different things. I mean, even the DVD, they put out so many variants of the DVD. Uh, there's the 99 release, the 2005 release. There's a later release with just Kong on the cover. And then there was one where they actually had it as a double feature with the original and 76 in one box. And that was the nice. last time I think it was ever released on DVD. Now all we have is the Blu-ray, which is great. And everywhere I go, and people say, oh, we've sold out. It took forever to come here to North America, so I was so glad that we got it. I think it. it was a mix of things like, it was a, It was mostly in the distributing rights at the time because of, of the Studio Canal and Paramount and whoever owned the rights to King Kong, which is a huge clusterfuck. I think at this point... The character and trademark should be in the public domain at this point. It will soon. Uh, it will soon. Yeah. Uh, Joe, there's a question in the chat tackle. Yeah, I saw it. Um, Shay asks if there's anything that you would have done to fix any of the problems you think Kong 76 may have had, what would you have done? Uh, um, all right, well, you guys want to go first? Or you want to go first? You, no, 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 Jack, all movie? you, Jack, all you. I think the only thing I would do is that certain things that were cut that looked awesome should have been kept in, i.e. a lot of the Rampage stuff, a lot of these extra shots of Kong. I think if there is any footage that they shot of the robot on its own, try to incorporate that in somehow. Um, I think as well, uh, basically, yeah, just like, I mean, if I were to go back in time, get these movies made, like get the 76 movie. If I was in charge of the production, I would say find a way to incorporate some dinosaurs. And that's about it. I wouldn't change really a thing with the film. In fact, I would even go as far to say, let Universal at the time make their remake as well. So you could have two movies of the same story and people can pick and choose which one was better. Um, because it's funny because nowadays you can have different adaptations of, of one story be released in theaters. I remember 2012, about 10 years ago, um, there were two Snow White movies that came out, Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman. Now, Snow White and the Huntsman ended up being the better film because Mirror Mirror was a fucking terrible film. I was working as a, at a movie theater at the time it was released and I was looking at it like, this is shit. I think, I think literally next door, not only was Prometheus playing, but uh, Cabin in the Woods, which were much better movies. But um, when Snow and the Huntsman came out, I freaking loved it. And just to have those kind of comparisons, like I would have done that. I would have said, let Universal, let both of them make their remakes and then the audience can decide which one was better. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, remember the, the fourth Exorcist movie? There was Exorcist, The Beginning, and then Dominion. There were two. Oh God! I, I've only seen the first. I've really only seen the first one. I can't stomach the sequels. I can kind of stomach some of the heretic, okay, but watch. Okay, Jack. I watched the third Exorcist movie. I think I you heard were... Brad Dourif's amazing yes. in that. Yes, George C. Scott, Brad Dourif. Um, there are some. Yeah, I jumps... love Brad There Durif, are some I jump love... scare scenes. It's some creepy shit in there that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Just saying. It's funny because literally when the pandemic happened a year ago when we were all locked up, I actually, me and my best friend at the time, we she uh, she showed me a ton of movies I'd never seen. I loved them. I saw The Exorcist fully for the first time. I saw Top Gun. I saw The Fly. I saw The Thing. And I loved all of them. Yeah. You know, like, it's a great film. Have you seen and Die Hard yet? I've seen most of it, but I have it on my Christmas. Okay, there's two Christmas movies I'm going to watch this year. I'm going to watch Die Hard, and I'm going to watch Brown Lens. 
I've never seen Gremlins, but I'm gonna actually give it a watch. I've heard so many great things. In fact, in this is kind of street. sad. It's sad because I'm friends with Joe Dante on Facebook. I talk to him occasionally. He's a really nice dude. I mean, I've seen a lot of his other movies. I like. Look, I one of those people. I defend Looney Tunes back in action. I kind of love that movie that he made. You know, yeah. like, like. Well, Brandon you know, Fraser, come on. It's Brandon Fraser. It's also just the Looney Tunes are great, and also I love the fact that you have a you have a movie where Roger Corman is filming a Batman movie. No, there's that scene with like the Batman stuff with Daffy. Not only do you have an actor in the Val Kilmer sonar suit, but you have the 89 car and the director is Roger Corman. I want that Batman movie. Where's my Roger Corman Batman flick? <laughs> have the penguin, have the penguin tying down Batman to a thing of 3D piranhas. Amen. Oh. Right, yeah. so I have a question, actually. Um, over it, the yeah. summer, I went to Universal Orlando, and I went to the Skull Island ride. Yeah. The animatronics on that Kong in there were amazing. Were they ever used, like, in any, as a set piece or anything? Or so, no? here's the thing. I mean, this is a bit of a long one. So, obviously, confrontation... Uh, when it opened, well, I mean, the first one actually was the King Kong encounter in Hollywood, which was part of the tram tour that burnt down in 2008. Um, and that was the reason, but like when it came out in 86, it was a huge hit that when they were building the Orlando park, uh, they had said, let's put a Kong ride in there. And because I think what happened was they were going to do a tram tour originally, but then when freaking Jeffrey Katzenberg said, we're making a movie, a Disney movie theme park before Universal does. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, they said, okay, well, we can't do the tram tour now, so let's just make them separate rides. I think that worked out for the better because Confrontation was the better ride. It had two animatronics. It was hugely innovative for its time. Banana Breath, it was, it was just a lot of fun. I remember even going on that ride. It scared the shit out of me. But... It closed in 2002. A lot of people were upset, including myself. In fact, I own uh, a farewell sign uh, from when it was closing down. It has a bunch of signatures from guests saying goodbye. And it was later replaced with Revenge of the Mummy, which is a good ride. It's a great ride, but it's no con. But ever since a lot of the, the classic attractions were closing, Jaws, Back to the Future, uh, Beetlejuice, Earthquake, all of those, like about 99% of the classics are gone. The only one that still stands is E.T., and that's only because Steven owns the building personally. Like, he will not let that building go. He says, keep E.T., you motherfuckers. Do not replace it with some <laughs> stupid 3D bullshit, which I love the E.T. ride. Love it to death. Um, so, there were, ever since Jaws closed, um, I mean, even I was so mad, I started a sort of a petition Facebook group called Confrontation a group for the eighth wonder where we all like a bunch of people who actually work at the parks, veterans and stuff. They all uh, have stories to tell. We share rare photos. I've got a lot of stuff like rare photos of that ride. So there was a lot of petition to bring Kong back uh, to, to Florida, especially after um, when the original ride burnt down and Peter Jackson created the 360 attraction, which I went on it when it just opened. And I thought it was okay. I just think it lacked practical effects. The 3D was great. Like, it was fantastic. But so when I heard they were they were doing a ride in Florida, I was like, okay, this is a good way to kind of up the ante. I always imagined sort of a Jurassic Park-esque, like, ride with, like, a water ride where maybe, like, 
you're on the rafts of Skull Island going through the swamp and, you know, maybe you see Kong and there's animatronic. It's sort of like the, my concept was sort of like the Jurassic World ride they just opened. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's a different story. But anyway, so when I was starting, I was actually visiting the park at the time when they were sort of under construction, as they put it. Um, and I got to see it slowly being built, and I would actually, the best view to see the construction was to go into the Camp Jurassic area and climb up one of the things and actually get great shots of the construction. So I was seeing it, I was really blown away. So when I saw they were, like, building the wall, I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. So my first time experiencing a ride, I was actually filming my review at the same time. You can check out that review, it's hilarious. Oh, it's great, Um, it's great, Jack. Oh, I have an anime cartoon character constantly punching me in the face. It's hilarious. But uh, to the point, uh, when I got there, the first thing I did uh, when I started filming the review was like, I need to just go on the ride and just give my first thoughts, wing half of it. I'll write the script later. So I got at the park at like five o'clock in the morning. The sun was coming up. Beautiful sunrises there. And obviously the rest of the park wasn't open. They only let the Harry Potter people. So I spent an hour at Hogsmeade. I got a butterbeer. I, uh... Yes, I drink sugar in the in the, in the morning. And I went on, went on uh, the Harry Potter ride. It was fine. But then right when the rest of the park opened, I ran through Jurassic Park, and I went right to the ride immediately. And I was the first one at the at the attraction. In fact, the first time riding it, I had the whole thing to myself. The I... whole thing. And I got to sit center row. In fact, I filmed my reaction and everything. And I was just like, this is a much better ride. Um, than the floor, than the Hollywood one. Like again, I always felt like while Disney had California, Universal has Orlando. Like they got that more than Disney. And I love. I was one thing I will say about the animatronic was not. Ex- I was. It was a lot bigger than I expected. Like you see the footage before, and you're like, oh, this looks kind of cute. It's like a 25 foot gorilla. It's like, whoa, this thing's actually and bigger. Pretty big. <laughs> and the only thing I have a complaint about: lack of banana breath. Because that was one of the key signatures of the original attraction that 76 was based on was the banana scent breath. And I feel like they could, perhaps, when they're doing refurbishments, they could probably install something. Because that is the one thing a lot of people are missing from the original attraction. In fact, there's fans on like Etsy and stuff. You can buy candle-scented things that have the original banana breath smell of Kong. So nice. wow. it's pretty cool. So I like the ride. I think it is a much better ride than Hollywood. Um, would I change some stuff to be a bit more with confrontations qualities? Absolutely. Another thing, uh, lack of a photo walk. Because with confrontation, yeah. you had in the gift shop that big bust of Kong get in his hand, take a picture. And apparently that thing apparently is still around somewhere in a warehouse. They just don't know where they just, it's locked away somewhere. But like the other animatronics are just gone. But the um, the original uh, photo op is apparently around. They just they never bothered to bring it out for like a museum or something. And I think that that's what they should be doing. Like Universal should respect the original attractions by putting a museum or something in their like. I, I feel like Indy. It belongs in a museum. You know so. <laughs> Yeah, it's just that, and then yeah. So with the with the uh, Florida ride, it's it's fantastic. I could not recommend it highly enough, and it is a great way to see Kong back at Universal after years of just absence. And people are like, I want Kong back. Excellent. <laughs> and funny story when I, when I was going through the ride uh, before you actually get to the tram, there's this really like 
dark area where you have oh, to watch the scare maze. They turned everything. the studio into a scare maze. Yeah, and and when you go through it, it's so dark that I actually pulled a golden child, and I was like, I got your knife. Now turn on the goddamn lights. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I cracked everybody up. That was That's there. hilarious. <laughs> All right, so so everybody in the chat, everybody. This is last call, right here right now is last call. If you have any questions for any of us on screen, whether it's something about King King Kong questions or, or Big Jack related questions, anything, last call to the, to the chat right now, last call for questions. So real quick, we just want to plug a couple things in, then we're going to let Jack plug some stuff in. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, Jack, thank you for joining our Facebook discussion group. We're happy to have you there. The Facebook discussion group is always popping. So thank you for everyone who keeps dropping the memes and the links and the stories and the debates. The the Nerd Cage Live Facebook discussion group is a place. It's where it's at right now. Best hangout on the internet. Uh, link is below if you want to join the Facebook discussion group. Um, I just want to say, I might actually do a Facebook discussion group on my own turn because a lot of people have asked me to do a Discord server, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if I can run all that at once. I have even enough time with the Facebook group, so I might do a Big Jack Films fan Facebook group if anybody's wanting to just share either memes or, you know, like certain questions and stuff. I might yeah. be able to do something there. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. No, Jack, we've had success with the Facebook discussion group, and it's, it's just cool because it keeps everybody engaged. Uh, Joe, take on both of those questions because it's going to be a perfect transition to what I want to promote next. So, Joe, take these two All questions right. here. Uh, Shay asks, have you ever played the 05 Kong game? Um, I have. In fact, I did a review of it, uh, the King Kong video games episode. Uh, it is one of my most successful episodes. A couple reasons why. One, I cover every single Kong game imaginable. But it has a cameo from one nerd who's into video games might be a little bit angry so if you want to see hit me and him interact in a cameo uh you can definitely do that um but i have played it um i played it on the uh 360 um which was funny enough when the 360 launched in 2005 that was one of the first movie licensed games released uh was kong 05 and it's a good game on the th i recommend it more on the 360 than any other console because it was released on Xbox, PS2, PC, GameCube, um, even like the Game Boy Advance game was actually pretty good. I would, I would say, stay the fuck away from the DS game. It's shit. It is easily the worst of all the con games I played for that episode. Um, biggest reason it was rushed. It felt like so unfinished, hard to play, and they even got to the point of they didn't have enough room for like certain music cues. So they literally stole music from Disney and put it in the game. Uh, wow. Uh, Joe, was, take, uh, Joe, get Spider's uh, uh, question. Then, Anthony, we'll get to your question in a second. But go ahead, Spider's, get his question. Okay. Spider's Prime asks, when you're reviewing uh, the live-action Mario Brothers? Well, here's the thing. is like, I'm, I'm, I love Nintendo. I love Mario. I, I like the, the Mar Mario World is my personal favorite of the Mario games. Same here. Um, but, like... In terms of the movie, I don't know if I have enough to discuss because I'm not the biggest Mario fan. Maybe I'll talk about it when the new movie comes out. In fact, part of me wants to review the original Tom and Jerry movie from, like, actually that came out last, in 1992, so it's celebrating its 30th anniversary. Um, and I'm one of the biggest defenders of the Tom and Jerry movie, and after seeing the new one, which sucked really bad... And, I just, and I've seen a lot of people now gravitate towards the 92 movie. I thought about talking about it. But with Mario, I'm not 100%. The only thing I could probably say about it was 
it came out a little too late. It was a really a big mess of a production, and it kind of boosted in its in its messiness because it was also trying to compete with Jurassic Park because 90, 1993 was the year of the dinosaur. I'm talking yep. Jurassic Park, yep. Carnosaur, Mario Brothers, the Dinosaurs TV show, and then we're the back. End, the dinosaur story. We're back, um, and then at the very tail end, September '93. What would okay? Because what's Barney. better than dinosaurs? No, what, Barney. Because what's better than dinosaurs? Uh, giant robot dinosaurs. That's how we got Mighty Morphin Power Rangers that came out the very tail end. I think without the Dino craze, Power Rangers would not have been as successful as it's been now. So it was kind of in the mix of that whole Dino mania that happened in '93, and I think that's why. I don't really know I can say anything other than that. I mean, I actually, I am kind of a, I think it's a guilty pleasure. I think it's a great looking film. Like, it looks nice. It's not Mario. Like, it's sort of, imagine if Joel Schumacher directed a Mario movie. This Basically. is what it would kind of look like. If Ridley Scott and Joel Schumacher fucked, and they made this, <laughs> their, their, their gay love child made this movie. That's the Mario movie. It's like Blade Runner mixed with Batman and Robin. Wow, and, dude, that's brilliant. Okay, so before yeah, Anthony... It is, it is the love child of Blade Runner and Batman and Robin. That's the best way I can describe the Mario movie. Absolutely. Okay, so before we get to Anthony's question, uh, real quick, since we are talking about games real quick, just want to talk about Nerd Cage Live Gaming. We go on Twitch every Tuesday night, and now that we're in the month of December, which is my month, my birthday month, Joe and I... We're playing Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks every Tuesday at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash nerdcagelive. I'm Kung Lao, and Joe is going to be my Liu Kang to my Kung Lao, and we're going to be taking on all the Outworld fiends. We're going to take our sweet-ass time playing the game. So really, really encourage our gamer friends to come hang out with us. Let your nuts hang out. Ask us questions. Hang out with us. Talk about whatever you want as we play one of the greatest, most overlooked Mortal Kombat games of all time, Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. It's not a fighting game, it's an adventure game like Ninja Gaiden, but better. And me, Joe and I, we haven't played the game in about, what, 15 years since it came out, since we were in high school. So yes. we're really excited to go back and play Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks uh, on Twitch. Like I said, it's been 15 what, what years. What console was it released on? PlayStation uh, 2. PlayStation 2 and regular Xbox. I want to see too, because yeah, like I mean, if December's your month, Jay, when do we get to talk about Jingle All the Way? Um, I so Mark and I we talked about doing the 25th anniversary of it. Uh, we just never got around to it. It was like, kind of like not in the highest priority. Um, I wanted to do a look back, but we just never got. Well, around. Wait, I mean, there's always next year. It doesn't have to be on an anniversary. I'll yeah. say this too, though: if you're gonna do a review, you have to get the turtle band at one thought. Do it, <laughs> do it now. Where's your Christmas spirit? I love, I love that. I saw that in theaters, but I watched. I actually, I watched it just recently. Laughed my ass off, and then I realized, oh shit, this is an extended cut. Yes. Um. Oh yeah, and Joe, go ahead and take Anthony's question. Uh, it's for it's for you, Jack. All right, he's asking, uh, Jack, do you want NECA to do a Kong 76 figure? Two words. Fuck yes. And I will pay big <laughs> money for that. Like, I have the first NECA Kong figure from 33. I know there's two other variants with the Pteranodon and the Skullcrawler, along with an M. Like, I want those. In fact, I'll say this. Um, I put this as part of all my social media stuff. 
uh, for my fans, I have an Amazon wish list. And it is on my wish list. Christmas is coming up. Okay, listen, Jack. I'm just gonna say that you, your tits are not big enough, and I. I... <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. I'm not who was doing a bunch of ASMRs on Twitch in a bath in a, in a portable hot tub. Okay. God, she went off like fucking crazy. I was watching some of her stuff, but then it's like she got too popular. I'm like, yeah, I'm turning this off. Click. Swipe left. Yes. All right, Jack. Uh, so Joe and I already plugged that we want to plug in. So before we go, Jack, what do you want to plug in? I know you use this. You just released a fantastic video of Hook, and of course, whatever yes, else you want to promote. So go uh, ahead. You guys and promote. can go check that out. It's the 30th anniversary of Hook. It's an hour long. My longest episode outside of uh, I think Dragon Ball Evolution, which is an hour and a half um, for my 100th episode. Uh, but this is just a nice little tribute that me and my buddy Sean of GTS were born. Plug into him. Uh, get him on the on your page at some point, Jay. Great guy to talk to. Uh, you can go check that out. Just hit a thousand views over the first weekend, which is fantastic. I really Congrats. thank everybody for watching that. Um, but coming up, uh, probably at the end of the month, I am doing my season finale. I'm working on that right now. And for those who saw my review of Hawk, I am finally going to be covering in a Big Jack Films Kong review, Godzilla vs. Kong. It's finally happening. I'm finally going to do a much more in-depth review of this movie. Um... Can't say too much of what goes on and what happens, but you guys, are, there's a lot of twists and turns and a few big surprises that, to come in this episode. So look forward to that. I'm going to have a trailer out maybe in a couple of weeks. I'm just working on it right now. Um, but yeah, I've, just, I've got that. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I'm really a lot on, I love doing TikTok skits. They're, I just did a ton. I've been really getting up there lately. Um, I have Patreon. If you guys want to go donate and help keep the lights on, dollar more, we'll get you access to all I'm also on your Patreon, just saying. Yes, you are. Thank you so much, Nerdcage. You guys do a splendid job. And in fact, if you donate, say, like, $5 a month, you can request me to talk about a movie for opening night as a vlog review. Um, but all that's great. We're actually got, we're actually got a bunch of content we're going to start working on. We want to do shout-out videos. We want to help other smaller content creators get up so they can get maybe paid through YouTube, i.e. the Nerd Cages. Uh, how many subs are you guys at now? You're at like 480? We're 20 away from 500. Got to yes. get you guys up to 1,000. Get, get us to 500. We'll do a $50 Amazon card giveaway. Get us to 1,000. We'll do a $100 Amazon card giveaway. You get us beyond that. Maybe we'll give away something big, all right? Just saying to, to Nerd Cage Nation, if you want to help us grow, we will do more giveaways. But you got we got to get that sub count up. Yeah, Just I saying. love these guys. They do a fantastic job with interviews and watch parties and stuff. I want to have you on, uh, Nerd Cage, for uh, Comic 76 Extended Cut Watch Party. Yes. Just so I can get the look on your face on all these scenes that you've never seen. You're like, what? They cut that out. Why? Yes. Um, I've been waiting, so Jack. I've been saving myself for you, Jack. That's <laughs> totally wrong. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll plan that. I'm thinking maybe the 17th. I mean, obviously, you're busy on that weekend. So maybe around maybe New Year's, around maybe even in January. I don't know yet. I'll yeah. keep you posted. Yeah, but absolutely. Just, just, just let me know when. We'll make it happen. But yeah, just check out my Kong reviews. Uh, yes, the so link to 1976. I put the link, the direct link to 1976 Jack's King Kong review is in the description from 1976. That was one of the first episodes too, which is pretty crazy. I look yeah. back at some of my old episodes, I'm like, oof. 
I could yes. have done better. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's that. Uh, obviously, put a link to my movie. It's almost at a million views. Um, yes, I really please check that out. People support. Yo, support this man. He's a, not only a fantastic content creator. He's a he's a wonderful friend, and he's done so much for our channel. And he always he always brings it. And it's like I said, it's an absolute I'll, I'll say to this, work like I, my goal is to try to get to a million views by the end of the year. I really want to try to get to a million because once it gets to a million, it's just gonna go farther from there. So yeah. guys, go watch the movie. Don't skip the ads because it, it it keeps the lights up. But uh, <laughs> you know, hit likes and all that shit. And yeah, that's about it. I'm, I'm done whoring myself out. Yeah, and, and Jack, one more thing. I want to say here, right here, right now, on Nerd Cage Live, on Nerd Cage Live Gaming on Twitch, we would love to play a game with you live on Twitch. We need to we need to figure out a game that we can play online together. And like, I'll say this, I am on Twitch, I just don't do any streaming because I don't know how the fuck it works, and I think I have to update all but, my technology. But it's okay though, like, if you just want to come on our, our Twitch, like, we can put we can put you on Zoom, and we'll do an online game together, and we can play together live on Twitch in front of the whole It internet. depends, because I don't do much PC gaming, per se. But, so. but you got a Nintendo Switch, right? I don't have, no, I actually don't buy any new consoles. Oh man, we need to get you on the console game because we need to do a. I, I need don't. To do my, a cutoff gaming. Date, my cutoff date is the 360. My cut. That's my cutoff date. That was my last new console. Well, I, I got a 360, but we yeah, we would yeah. love to I'll collab on the PSP, which I got for Christmas, and then a month later it broke. Yes. Well, well, we'd so. love to have you on somehow, some way. I'd love to collab with you on Twitch someday. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, th I think it's pretty much all I got. Um, again, Big Jack Films, uh, Jack, thanks so much for uh, coming on, hanging out with us. Um, I definitely look forward to the King Kong '76 TV version watch party whenever that's gonna be. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on again soon. As far as next week, everybody, I don't know. There will be a live stream next Thursday. I just don't know what. Um, I don't. Th this month, I kind of have half planned. I'm hoping maybe we can do like a best of 2021, meaning talk about the best movies of 2021 with a couple other uh, content creators. I haven't, I gotta talk to Mark about it. Uh, that that's possibly in the works for next week. Just so you know, the following week on the 16th is my 35th birthday watch party of Rocky. Uh, we're gonna take the 23rd off for Christmas, and then on the 30th, Matrix Resurrections watch party, HBO Max. We're gonna so that'll be uh, December 30th, and every Tuesday will be. Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks on Twitch. So uh, be there for that. And of course, don't forget to check us out on TikTok. We're always dropping the rapid reviews. And of course, the, the Facebook um, discussion page has been popping. Uh, keep uh, doing it on there. Uh, Joe, go ahead and say goodnight to all of our guests real quick. Or our fans real quick. Alright, I want to say goodnight to Spiderus Prime, Byron Kingsley, Alexander, Anthony... Don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> He'll butcher that name. Uh, Silent Basilisk. Uh, who else we got in here? Toku Park Productions. Uh, Valerie Gothic. And I believe that's everybody. Yeah, and I think Ethan, did you say I'm Ethan? I'm dead tonight. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, perfect. But yes, uh, thank you to everybody who came in tonight. Um, obviously, if we, if we don't see you, have a fantastic Christmas and have, have a great New Year. But like I said, we'll be back next week. Again, the watch party the following week. And then uh, at the end of the month, we will do the Matrix 4 watch party. And we hope to see you on our Twitch playing Shaolin Monks with us because I am chopping at the bit right now. So that being said, we previously asked you to like, previously like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell. 
spread that shit like syphilis. So you guys say, from Syracuse, New York, to Toronto, Canada, to all of our friends and fans around the world, at Nerd Cage Live and Big Jack Films, as I'm always. Campaign, we'll put a tiger in your tank. It's not a paper tiger. <laughs> <laughs> no, as always, enjoy <laughs> life, stay safe, and good night. Good night. Thanks very much, everybody. This was fun. Bye, everybody. Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! Ah!